Welcome to the Right to the Point podcast featuring honest conversation and biblical solutions to America's cultural challenges. Hi, I'm Tim Throckmorton of Live Point Ministries. To learn more about Live Point and to access episodes of Right to the Point podcasts and commentary, and if you'd like to support the podcast, please visit LivePointUSA.org. We're so glad you've joined us today in this episode. We welcome my friend, Peggy Grande. President Ronald Reagan chose Peggy Grande to work at his side for 10 years. And together they created a powerful partnership serving as his post-presidency executive assistant. Peggy was the liaison between Ronald Reagan and his staff, the public, local dignitaries, and world leaders. So we want to welcome Peggy to the show today. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time. And it's awfully good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Tim, so much for having me on. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you today. Well, The President Will See You Now is the book that I fell in love with a number of years ago before I met you. These are stories and lessons from Ronald Reagan's final years. He, uh, he, he got a little older, but he was still Ronald Reagan. So how did you, how did you get involved in his office? Kind of tell us that story and then some of the things that, that progressed through the early years of your time with him. I'm happy to, and thank you for finding my book and for taking the time to read it. I always think the, the greatest gift people can give each other is time. And so for you to give time to my story, um, I appreciate it not only between the pages of the book, but now to talk about it on your podcast. And as you know from my book, I consider myself to be one of the luckiest women in the world. I have the opportunity of a lifetime to have a front row seat to history and get to know Ronald Reagan really as a person, not just as a president. I grew up in Southern California. I was maybe kind of a nerdy little kid who loved presidents and politics and government. And even though I was a million miles from Washington, DC, it was kind of something I kept my eye on more like a hobby. I had a grandmother who was a flag waving patriot. So I'm sure I got my love of all things USA from her. But when I grew up, um, went to college, didn't study poly political science or anything, cause what's the practicality, especially of a woman back then going into the political arena, but I studied communications. And at the time, Ronald Reagan, the great communicator himself, was in the White House. And so I had such a great opportunity to analyze his speaking style, how he connected with people. Again, never imagining my path would ever cross his. But my dad raised me to believe that somebody's gotta have the job you want, and it might as well be you. So when Ronald Reagan left the White House and returned to Los Angeles, he opened an office not far from where I was in school at Pepperdine University. And so thinking of my dad's words, I took a chance and wrote a letter to the office of Ronald Reagan, was shocked when I was even invited in for an interview. And I thought, if I just step foot on the same floor as Ronald Reagan's office, it will be the most exciting day in my life never imagining that I would be hired pretty much on the spot for a short-term internship, which ended when I graduated, but then would be hired immediately to serve as his full-time staff. And so for the next 10 years from 1989, when he left the White House until 1999, when he left the public eye, I was his executive assistant, sat right outside his office door every day and had a front row seat to watch him interact with everybody from heads of state to everyday patriotic Americans. And what I saw changed my life forever in wonderful and inspiring ways. Well, that's you. You are the luckiest woman in the world. That, 
that's a, a great, great open here. I, I met you at the Council for National Policy a few years ago and, of course, told you I loved your book. And then I read it again after I met you because it's something about knowing the author and then hearing it in your words. What was what was the first time you met the president in your role there? And kind of kind of tell us what that's like. Meeting a president is quite a thing, and you don't get over that. And, and meeting him is something incredible as well. Talk about that, the impression, and often you know, the perception of who a person is and what they are when you meet them, it varies sometimes. But what was it like meeting him for the first time? So true, Tim. So true. Well, the first time I saw him in person, he came his second post-presidential speech he made at Pepperdine University. And I was still a student there. I was wide-eyed and giddy. I had followed his career. I had studied him so many times and written on his communication style that my professor finally said, you have to pick another subject to write about. You can't always write about Ronald Reagan. And so I was in the rafters of the big field house there, Pepperdine University. I think I maybe invented the selfie because I have a picture on my old film camera with Ronald Reagan real small in the background. Um, but it was such an exciting, thrilling moment just to be in the same arena as him never imagining what life would hold. So my first time I met him, and you probably remember I wrote about this in the book, and it's a little bit embarrassing, but it's out there now for the world to see. Um, I went in for my interview and I was very excited, but also very nervous. I grew up in a very middle-class family. We had never been around people of wealth or importance. I didn't really know how to act in those situations, but it never occurred to me that Ronald Reagan might actually work in the office of Ronald Reagan and that I would actually run into him. I just thought I was going for an interview. But after the interview was over, I was sitting in the lobby waiting for the woman to validate my parking. And the doors on the other side of the lobby open up and here comes Ronald Reagan walking right toward me, flanked by United States Secret Service. I panicked. I did not know what to do. I didn't know if they knew who I was or what I was doing there. Were they going to arrest me or shoot me? I didn't want to run and hide, but I didn't want to be threatening. And so I thought about what I would do if the flag was passing by. And so I stood up and put my hand over my heart, didn't even look at him because I wanted to be very non-threatening. And I'm sure I looked completely ridiculous, but Ronald Reagan, knowing him now like I do, instead of walking past me, shaking his head and laughing at this ridiculous young woman, he walked right up to me. He looked me in the eye, he extended his hand, he shook my hand, I introduced myself to him. Of course, he needed no introduction. And I will always remember and cherish that moment, looking into those sparkling blue eyes and feeling the magic of being truly seen by Ronald Reagan. And to the other part of your question, a lot of people put Ronald Reagan on a pedestal and often you put a celebrity or a politician on a pedestal and then you meet them and you're kind of disappointed and they're not really what you thought and hoped that they would be. Ronald Reagan was the exact opposite and everything you thought and hoped he would be, he was and probably even better. And as uncomfortable and embarrassing as that first moment was meeting him, it was a wonderful experience because it reminded me of the magic that he made happen every time he stopped and took a moment to acknowledge somebody, to look them in the eye, to shake their hand. And he made people feel very seen. And that resonated throughout his presidency and even 
president after his presidency. So there really was a charisma, a charm, a personal connection to him that people felt and that was authentic and genuine. And I'm so blessed to have seen it for so many years firsthand. Well, again, back to the being the luckiest lady in the world, you are. Now, the book, The President Will See You Now, is the title of the book, My Stories and Lessons. Now, let's talk about the stories. There it is. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I pronounced your name Grandi. It's Grandi. Uh, PeggyGrandi.com. Is that right? Yes. The website. So folks need to go there. You need to get the book, uh, but you need to get to know Peggy better because the stories, just just park there for a while. The stories are wonderful. I, our, our mutual friend, Bob McEwen has some great Ronald Reagan stories. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it was uh, John Fun. The first time I met John, he told me some great Ronald Reagan stories and everywhere I meet people who knew him, I want to hear some of those stories. Now you document them in your book. They are precious. They are moving. They are again, underscoring who Ronald Reagan was. But what are some of the most memorable and maybe even something you, you didn't put in the book? Well, thank you. And I appreciate your kind words about my book and my stories. But really, it was an opportunity not for me to tell my own story, but for the reader to get a chance to see him as I saw him. And it was funny because I this is my first book and I never imagined I would write a book. But, you know, God has a funny sense of humor sometimes. And I found myself signing a contract in New York City with a top publisher, not having written one word of a proposal. Um, and I know that that's not usually how it happens, but I thought if God has made this happen, I'm going to sign on the dotted line and hope and pray that he will give me the words. But when I submitted my first writing sample of a few of the beginning chapters, my publisher called me right away and he said, Peggy, do you know what an autobiography is or do you know what a memoir is? And I thought, is this a trick question? And he said, Peggy, you're writing yourself out of your own story. And in order for us to know Ronald Reagan, we have to know you, we have to like you, we have to listen to you, maybe even love you in order to see him the way you saw him. And otherwise you're an interruption to the story, but instead become the very vehicle by which the reader can see him as you saw him. And I love those words and I went back to them so many times because I just wanted to be the glasses, which I could put on and so readers like you could pick up the book and see him as I saw him. And most people can't relate to being president in the United States, but everybody can relate to a part of my story, being young and green and stepping into an office space where you know you really don't belong and it's far too big for you, finding your way in a place that seemed so foreign and then suddenly feels comfortable and familiar and you feel like you're adding value and gaining momentum in a place that was previously really scary to you. And then, you know, at the end of the book, life pivots sometimes and throws you a curveball. And what do you do? Do you run and hide? Do you dig in? Do you press forward? And how do you do that with faith and with compassion and allow the heartbreak to break your heart, but not break you? And so I think that the reader can probably relate to a little bit of every part of my story. Um, and one of the benefits I have when I travel the nation and the world talking about my stories with Ronald Reagan is I get to hear other people's stories too. And everybody who's met him 
or who followed him has a story with him. Maybe it was he came through the Oval Office into their living room on their old dial television with three channels and they felt very connected to him because he was inspiring them or sat um, changed regulations that helped them with their business or inspired them to work harder or do more or love America more. You know, maybe it was somebody who met him in an elevator and had that moment shaking his hand or saw him speak at an event. And we really all felt that tug, that draw that the vision he had for America involved all of us. And so in telling my story, I wanted other people to see and tell their story as well. And so I'm so fortunate to be able to do that. But as you know, in the story, uh, the stories that I tell, it's everything from tender moments with my kids visiting with President and Mrs. Reagan at their home. You can imagine how nerve wracking that was to have four little kids walking through this beautiful home with the former president and first lady. Um, there's stories of everyday Americans, whether it was the man who cleaned the president's building at night or Secret Service who had stood guard outside his window for years when he was president of the United States and had never really met him and got to finally meet him and shake his hand. Um, and then there was world leaders, heads of state that came in and I got to witness the personal friendship that they had. It wasn't just a diplomatic or political connection. These were people who really enjoyed each other's company, whether it was Margaret Thatcher or Mikhail Gorbachev or Brian Mulroney from Canada or Mother Teresa, incredible people that I still kind of pinch myself and say, was this really my life? Did this really happen? And so I want to bring the reader into those rooms and be able to see and witness him and experience him as I did every day for a decade. And, and you did, you did it, you did it well. And for everyone who's never read the book, you need to read the book. What what I, I remember about you talking, you mentioned your children. You know, that was one of those things as I read that, I thought, yeah, I, I knew he would be that way. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, then there were moments, as you mentioned, with with world leaders. But then there were people from around the world who, who got to come and to meet him there. There was one particular story of a woman from a Soviet bloc country that finally got to meet him. Tell that, if you would, just remind me of that story, remind the re the listeners of that moment, because he didn't just affect our lives and, and our family's lives, he affected the world. And this kind of speaks to that. He did. And, you know, this really is a storybook because how do you reflect on 10 years of such historical presence? And it really wasn't going back and looking at the calendar of what we did and where we went and who we met. It was about what was elevated to the point of remembering. And over those 10 years, there were snapshots I took in my head, as much as having the camera around my neck and snapping photographs of, of all these events and travel. It was really those snapshots in my head that I went back to, those moments that tugged on my heartstrings and really impressed me in such a way that I just thought, wow, this man really did change the course of history. And the story you're talking about, you know, there was a very elderly Romanian woman and she had written into President Reagan's office, like a lot of people did, and asked for an appointment and an opportunity to meet with him. Of course, we wished we could have said yes to all, we couldn't, um, but there were some that rose to a level that we thought, this sounds like it will be a special and important meeting. And so 
the scheduling office set it up. This woman came in and looked every bit the part of a Romanian grandmother, you know, very stooped in her walking, dressed like a very elderly grandmother. And when she walked into President Reagan's office, she took one look at him and she dropped to his feet and she started sobbing and kissing his feet. And he kind of looked at me and I looked at him and eventually he reached down and he brought her to stand and with tears streaming down her face and her very broken English, she looked up at him and she thanked him. She thanked him for her freedom, for the freedom of her family, for the freedom of her people. And in that incredibly touching moment, I thought about all the people all over the world that if they had had their opportunity to walk into Ronald Reagan's office and meet him face to face, they probably would have done the same thing. Somehow this woman in far off Romania had connected the dots of her freedom back to this man's feet and had an opportunity to thank him for the most precious gift that she could thank him for, which was her freedom and that of her family and her people. And so, so many beautiful moments and so many times where I just realized I did have a front row seat to history. This man had not only changed my life, not only changed our nation, but truly had changed the world and the world knew it and wanted to thank him for it. Well, that, uh, that's beautiful. It reminds us of our role here in America uh, and, and the influence we have around the world and why it matters that yeah. we are involved as Christians, why it matters that good people serve this nation and are elected to office. And this is, um, uh, this is a stark reminder. The, the leadership lessons that you mentioned as well are important because I, I think you got to see uh, over a period of years, some of the great moments, but then some challenging moments. And it's not just the challenges, but how we handle those. I think you alluded to that earlier in one of your remarks, but uh, talk about some of those lessons, even the hard lessons and what they, they teach us and how they build us. Yeah, well, we know that Ronald Reagan was a man of incredible faith. And so that was the thread that wove throughout his life. And whether he was a young, poor boy in Tampico, Illinois, or Dixon, Illinois, being raised by a mother of incredible faith, or whether he was a Hollywood actor or the governor of California or standing on the world stage as president of the United States, or a former president who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, that was the thread that wove through every aspect of his life. And that was the thing that kept him going and kept him faithful and kept him moving forward, even at times that were incredibly hard. And so having an opportunity to see that man, to see faith in action, to see him trust that whatever God has for me is what I will accept. He accepted being president of the United States and he would accept the final chapter of his life, which was a very difficult one, but he did it with faith and faithfulness. And I hope that you saw in the book, I, I tried to tell a story that I felt comfortable telling because he had been open with the American people and with the world about his diagnosis and the struggle and the challenges of that. Um, but I tried to do it in a way also that was respectful. And I get lots of emails and letters from people who are dealing with Alzheimer's of a parent or a loved one. And we know how difficult that is. Ronald Reagan could have disappeared to the ranch and had people speculate about his mental capacities or 
his diagnosis, but he chose instead to face it head on. And I think so many people have benefited from his transparency, from his willingness to say, if, if this is what God has for me, then I will face it with faithfulness. And God doesn't have to heal me to prove he loves me. He loves me anyway, and I will trust him in that. And what a beautiful reminder um, to all of us, this man who lived out so many of his years with faithfulness to God, and God was truly faithful to him as well. Well, it gave my, personally, as I watched my father walk that same road, it gave me hope and strength, and he allowed that. He was generous with that part of his life, and we're blessed by that. PeggyGrandy.com is the site. I want you to go there. If you don't have the book, get the book. You need to read this book, and also Peggy can add great value to uh, your organization, your your speeches, your leadership uh, talks. Uh, Peggy, you you do that around the country and around the world. And I want to say what a gift you are and what an inspiration you are to that. Any anything that um, uh, as we kind of head toward the runway here to, to land this thing, anything that is uh, important that you want to mention. Uh, about uh, Ronald Reagan, about your time with him that that you want those who are listening to to get a hold of uh, before we say goodbye. Yeah, well, I'll just say that if you go to the website, if you pick up the book, I read every email that comes to me. I always reply. And so if it touches you or affects you or resonates with you in some way, I would love to hear it. Um, like Tim said, I also travel and speak across the nation, around the world. I can speak on politics and current events, but can also just speak on leadership, on communication, on the faithfulness of this great man. And I think especially somebody who entered the final chapter of his life with not only faithfulness, but resilience and strength and motivation. Um, you know, what a great call to action for those who, um, even like myself, who is a new grandmother, kind of entering that last chapter or two of our lives um, to not give up, to not slow down. Our best work is yet ahead. And he was such a great example of that. And I guess if I want to leave you with one thing, it would be he always had the best words for everything. So I'll leave you with his words. But one of the final speeches that he gave us was in 1992 at the Houston Republican National Convention. And I love what he said. He said, whatever else history may say about me when I'm gone, may it say that I appealed to your best hopes not to your worst fears, to your confidence rather than your doubts. And so much of politics today divides us. It appeals to our doubt and to the worst of us. And he said, no, no, no. The way to do it right is to appeal to the best hopes and to the confidence of the people. And truly, at the end of his eight years, what he was most proud of wasn't anything that he had accomplished. He said, I made the American people believe in themselves again. And what a great reminder that it's about we the people, not about one person. And as humble as he was, I'm sure glad and grateful that we had that one man, that one person to inspire us to lead the nation and to change the world. Peggy, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being thank my you. friend. Thank you for the good work you are continuing to do. And I want to encourage everyone, get the book, go to PeggyGrandy.com, and you'll you'll enjoy all that you learn. And um, I want to thank you again for joining me today on Right to the Point. Thank you. All right. To learn more about uh, LifePoint Ministries or 
to access past episodes of Right to the Point podcast and commentary, if you'd like to support the podcast, just visit lifepointusa.org. Thank you again for joining me. God bless you. Stay in love with the Lord and in love with one another. And I'll see you next time on Right to the Point. Right to the Point.